Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. We're back on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Mike Lute and Kevin Walsh. We're talking. We'll get to MLB. We keep pushing back the MLB content, and we'll get to that in the third hour because we got a guest coming up here, a friend of mine and an excellent uh, college football analyst. He does college football today here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network each and every Saturday with Joe Lisi uh, from 9 to 12 each and every Saturday during the college football season. You can catch him on Twitter at Rich Cirminello. That's C-I-R-M-I-N-I-E-L-L-O. He's the director of college awards in the Maxwell Football Club. Rich, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. I've missed you, Mike. How about you? I'm doing okay. I missed you as well. It's uh, we haven't get a, didn't get a chance to see each other too much during the season, but uh, clearly I listened in as often as I could, entertaining as always. And now is look as much as the Super Bowl is tomorrow. The the calendar is going to flip over basically on Tuesday once everybody starts to, stops talking about the Super Bowl, and it's really going to start to focus on these prospects that are coming into the draft. It's exciting for people like Joe Lisi and I, who you mentioned in the intro, uh, this time of year, because we've been following these kids since their high school careers. We've had them on the radar since they were juniors in high school, then seniors deciding on which college they're going to go to. And now, three, four, five years later, we're looking at them as pros. So it's fun to watch that evolution, not just for the blue chippers, but there are a lot of kids, even kids at the Senior Bowl last week, that were completely off the radar, under-recruited coming out of high school. Now they're going to have an opportunity to play on Sundays. Hey, Rich. How are you doing? Good, Kevin. How are you? Doing well. I, I wanted uh, to ask you a little bit about what all the re- recruiting stuff here is. I'm looking a lot at Georgia, and the the amount of quarterbacks that Kirby Smart is starting to grab now, Justin Fields is going to be on campus next year, uh, and obviously all the talent that they have there now. There's Ohio State's normally called DBU. LSU had that. Is is Georgia becoming a QBU of sorts? Yeah, it was an interesting decision for Justin Fields. Throughout that process, there was uh, there was a lot of interest in in Penn State. I thought it would have been a good fit for James Franklin. Uh, and the Nittany Lions, particularly with their starting quarterback heading into 2018, Trace McSorley being a senior. But as you guys know, Jake Fromm became the story for the Bulldogs last year. He is going to be in Athens for at least the next two seasons, depending upon his NFL decision a couple of years from now. So Fields could be waiting for his opportunity to play. Look at what it already did with Jacob Beeson. We were with Jacob Beeson down in Atlantic City uh, just a little over a year ago as he was the ballyhooed five-star recruit out of the state of Washington. Brom already ran Eason out of town. He's headed back to the state of Washington to play for Chris Peterson at UW. So now it's going to be Jake Fromm and Justin Fields. And listen, every recruiting analyst that I've talked to, every scout that I've talked to, loves the potential of Justin Fields. It'll be interesting to see which of those two kids is going to be patient waiting for playing time. So the least likely headline, if you had the put money on the least likely headline, I probably would have bet on this. Four-star QB commits to Princeton over Alabama. Brevin, yeah. White, <laughs> Brevin White decided to shun Alabama despite making an official visit down there. And, I, and yeah. people are probably laughing because 
Uh, why would a guy do that? But he, he has to take a look at the totality of everything. He's looking at Princeton academics. He's also looking at the fact that uh, Tua is going to be the quarterback there if he beats out Jalen Hurts, and can he even do that? I would assume Tua will be the guy, but nonetheless, it's already a stacked quarterback room, and he's got an opportunity to play at Princeton with the academics, and if he's a really good quarterback, he could be Jason Garrett and have a long NFL career. Yeah, that was a that was a great headline. It almost uh, it almost made me wonder is it is it April Fool's yeah, already? I, exactly. You never see you know it's always Alabama versus LSU, Alabama versus you know Auburn for for recruiting uh, top recruiting uh, uh, quarterbacks or any position for that matter. But uh, yeah, I, I, that was an interesting decision. I, I applaud it not just because you know it's fun to celebrate student athletes, but uh, to your point, Mike, I agree. I mean, we're in an era right now where I don't care where you're playing. Uh, you know, right. it, it, Dallas Goddard, you know, is a, is a tight end out of South Dakota State. We have Division Two, Division Three NAI players having an opportunity uh, to show their, uh, showcase their skills in front of NFL scouts and potentially play on Sundays. And, and this is no different. Uh, it, it was kind of ironic for me. I had a chance to interview a wide receiver, former wide receiver from the University of Pennsylvania, Justin Watson, who played in the Senior Bowl last weekend, interviewed him on Wednesday. He's going to have a legitimate shot to play in the NFL after participating as an Ivy League player. So, yeah, you get the education, you get an opportunity to play at the Ivy League level. Who's to say if he doesn't develop uh, three, four, five years from now, he can't be playing on Sundays as well. James Devlin, a Brown graduate, is playing for the Patriots yet again in the Super Bowl. They've had a long run. Brown specifically of players playing in the Super Bowl and James Devlin, another Ivy League player. We obviously Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, and others as well. So uh, again, if you can showcase yourself throughout your college career and do well in some of these all-star situations in combine, there's no reason that you can't go a little bit of a different path. I know it's fun. And quickly, yeah, yeah, real quickly, GMs and scouts just love those cerebral type players, particularly at positions Mm -hmm. like quarterback. So yeah, you're not going to be getting the best training facilities, you're clearly not facing the best competition, but there's also something to be said for proving that you could do it at an Ivy League institution, uh, the acumen, the intelligence that goes along with that. So, yeah, the physical side of it, you're not going to match up the way you would in the SEC, but the kid's going to play early in his career, so he's going to get PT, uh, and he's going to get a great education. And probably well. in a pro-style offense in, in a lot of instances there as well. Exactly. So go ahead, Kevin. Yep. Rich, I, I want to stick with a little bit in a what could I guess be a similar quarterback situation because I'm looking here at the, at the top fields is by ESPN's database fields one but Trevor Lawrence is two he goes to Clemson I would yep. think Fromm has a tighter grip on the job than Kelly Bryant does that become a situation though where we could see movement uh, in terms of competition at Clemson yeah. I doubt it. I, I mean, if, if you're suggesting that Kelly Bryant could be vulnerable in 2018, I'm not sure if that's what you're saying, Kev, but I doubt it. I, I, I think this is Kelly Bryant's job for Dabo Sweeney. I thought he laid a good foundation, had some issues with injury uh, at times throughout 2017, but his leadership skills, his ability uh, to make plays outside of the pocket, I think he'll be a much better all-around quarterback in 2018. I would rather see... Uh, Clemson potentially redshirt Lawrence in, in, in 2018, kind of uh, tap the brakes a little bit with Trevor and, uh, and then maybe give him an opportunity in 2019. 
Let me ask if you do you have a, a preference between Fields or Lawrence? Obviously, there's I mean there's a ways to go before we even see these guys on the fields, uh, especially because mm-hmm. they're probably not playing next year. But do you have a preference between the two quarterbacks? Yeah, I'm so high on Justin Fields. I've watched a lot of film on him. When you look at his size and athleticism combination, I think that's unmatched at this stage. To your point, it is early. It's always early. We haven't seen them uh, in a college scheme. We haven't seen them facing that kind of pressure, college defenses. But at this particular time, just from a pure measurable standpoint, the physicality, the arm strength, the athleticism, uh, it, yeah, I, I love comps. I know it drives people nuts at times because they think that I'm doing an apples-to-apples apples comparison or I'm suggesting he's going to get to this point. I love comps because it paints a visual picture in the minds of listeners. I see early hints of like a Cam Newton type mm. of a player out of Justin Fields. I think that's the potential that he'll be striving toward during his college career. I'll ask you one more question about the signing day stuff, and we'll we'll talk a little bit more about the prospects in terms of NFL readiness. But uh, who has the – look, the rankings are going to be some of the teams we've already talked about. Bama, Clemson, they're all going to be at the top of this list come Tuesday, or come Wednesday and signing day. Many of them, many of the – like 78% or so of the prospects have already signed their early letters of intent in their early signing period. But um, – who do you think has an opportunity or who do you think has done the best job of maybe replenishing the lost talent uh, over the last year or two? Sometimes it's about need, right? So LSU hasn't had solid quarterback play in years. Have they done the job to fulfill that? Or is there another team that you feel has done a good job of maybe filling a weakness on their roster? Well, I'll give you two, Mike, that have really stood out for me. At this time of year, it it is a case of the usual suspects. You know, it's going to be Ohio State. It's going to be Alabama. It's going to be Oklahoma, Clemson. You you could fill in the blanks of who those teams are. But two coaches relatively new to their programs, I think they've done a really good job of replenishing talent and then beginning to kind of build a little bit of a, a, a kind of a a stockade around their local talent, which hasn't existed in recent years. And I'm talking about Miami with Mark Richt and Texas with Tom Herman. Those are situations where obviously they're flushing talent in the states of Texas and and, uh, Florida, South Florida specifically. I think Mark Richt is doing a terrific job in a couple of seasons. Same thing with Tom Herman. One of the issues that Texas has had has not been so much of landing big-time quarterback recruits, but actually developing those players under Mac Brown and then Charlie Strong. And so Tom Herman is doing a really nice job of stockpiling talent, and both of those programs are going to need it because they're going to lose a fair amount to the NFL, whether it's through graduation or early entries to the NFL draft. Rich, I want to shift gears a little bit towards the draft. Before I get trapped in the quarterback tunnel, I want to kind of talk about yeah. something that um, Mike and I were we were discussing about how we any team that drafts an offensive lineman is making a good pick. One of the interesting things in this draft right now is there is a lot more tackle depth for at least the first round than what was there last year, but consensus, the best offensive lineman is a guard, Quentin Nelson. Yeah. Would you encourage yeah. a team, as you, as you watch these guys play this year, to be willing to take, even though he plays guard, Quentin Nelson ahead of his teammate McGlinchey, or or Connor yeah, Williams? It's a great question, Kev. I, I, to me, it really does come down to Connor Williams and Quentin Nelson. I think they're the two most skilled offensive linemen at their respective uh, positions. You mentioned Nelson at guard. 
Connor Williams at tackle. I love Connor Williams, love his athleticism, tremendous feet, good combination of that footwork and agility uh, with brutish strength. We've seen that on film throughout his three seasons uh, in Austin. But Quentin Nelson, to me, is the hands-down safest offensive lineman pick out of anyone. So, yeah, you normally don't take a guard. You certainly don't take a center too high in the draft. But if I tell you that this kid is going to start from day one, by year uh, two or three, he's going to be a Pro Bowl blocker. He probably, injuries aside, is going to stay in the NFL for at least a decade. He's going to be a cornerstone offensive lineman for your organization. Who cares if he's playing guard versus tackle? I understand the premium of tackle, pocket protection, blindside protection, but Quentin Nelson, to me, is early in his career is going to be a Pro Bowl blocker. That is a kid I take over anyone else along the offensive lineman. If I'm the Colts, then can I can I take him at three and feel like I'm getting good value? Yeah, you know what? You're going to get criticized. But you know what? If, if you're comfortable with that criticism, if you have thick enough skin as a scouting staff, as a general manager, as a new head coach there, I, yeah, I, I would take the best player available. Or how about this? How about the possibility of trading back a few slots, mm-hmm. realizing that no one else is probably going to pull the plug or uh, pull the trigger on a Quentin Nelson, who, by the way, is a New Jersey uh, uh, New Jersey uh, resident from Red Bank Catholic, one of the powerhouses. Shout out uh, to Jersey. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would – I want the safest player you could possibly get, someone that you could plug into your lineup immediately and, again, expect excellence from the offensive line. I think that's what you're getting in Quentin Nelson. I think he's I think he's one of the safest picks in the entire draft whether we're talking offense or defense. I I am of the opinion as Kevin stated if you're so if look you have to grade it out. I got I have to trust the NFL organizations organizations specifically to grade out and trust these players. But if you're drafting linemen, especially offensive linemen, considering the quality of play generally on offensive line, I always think you're upgrading your team. And it's never going to be sexy, and they're going to want Bradley Chubb in Indianapolis because he can get after the quarterback. But can he get after the quarterback when the rest of the defense stinks? No. But I can protect Andrew Luck. I can open up holes for Marlon Mack long term. And he's going to be an anchor of the team. It's just the way I would go. The way the Steelers finally started to turn things around and keep Roethlisberger healthy was that they drafted David DeCastro. And with Pouncey, Roethlisberger has now been healthy because he's not getting killed Mm -hmm. every week. There was a long period of time, several seasons, where Roethlisberger got hurt every year. And granted, there are other factors that go into this. I'm just stating that that is an important thing for me as building in building a football team. So... I went on a little rant there, and I almost forgot what my next question was, but I remember it now. Uh, is Minka Fitzpatrick the best player in this draft? Mm. No, I, I listen. I'm a big Minka fan. Uh, also, one of the kids that I've spoken to during the week uh, spoke to Minka, spoke to his mom, also spoke Jersey, to, uh, one of his, also from Jersey. Yep, uh, New Brunswick, and then Old Bridge and St. Peter's Prep. One of the, one of the, also the powerhouse high school programs. I, I really like Minka. I talked to. 
Uh, his teammate who decided to stay for his senior year, Damian Harris, uh, star running back for Alabama, spoke to him yesterday about Minka. And, you know, the things that teammates, coaches uh, talk about with this kid is he is the total package on the field, off the field, very cerebral, kind of like having a coach on the field. His versatility, his ability to play safety, to play corner, play a little bit of weak side linebacker, very dedicated player. I don't think you're going to make a mistake with uh, Minka Fitzpatrick. Reminds me a lot of a Jalen Ramsey, uh, as you guys know now, with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So big fan of Minka Fitzpatrick. Think he'll go second half of the first round. Love the kid. Don't think he's the safest or the best pick in this draft, but I think he has a very bright future in the NFL. Uh, Would you say that he's best at safety or corner? Uh, clearly safety, in my opinion. Big hitter, plays with a plays with a downhill mindset, uh, great range, kind of a center fielder uh, of the defensive backfield. Big, big, big-time player uh, in terms of ball skills. Mike and Kevin, four career pick sixes, most in Alabama history. So, yeah, I think he's clearly a safety. You hope that he could be a free safety. You hope that he's going to be a free safety at the next level. If he could settle in at free safety, uh, I, I think he's going to have a very long career in the NFL. Great kid. I love that kid. I love him. He's my favorite player in the draft, personally. Um, and he may not be the safest, but great stuff, Rich, as always. That's Rich Sermonelli. You hear him in college football today, each and every Saturday during the college football season. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Rich. Thanks, Rich. Mike Blewett and Kevin Walsh will come back after the break for hour number three of the Roto Experts.